0: The Rwando Podcast is an exploration of the unconscious and the game of life. Be sure to visit Rwando.com to get a preview chapter of my upcoming book, Infinite Play, and free access to my content library. Enjoy the show. Hello. Welcome to Monday. Uh, So today's episode is on attraction. And this is something that I've wanted to do for a while, mainly because uh, a lot of people ask me about... Uh, Dating tips still, it's been a long time since I've called myself a dating coach, but I still care a lot about and help a lot of guys with their love lives, but not in the way, certainly not in the way that the pickup world does, even though I've spent some time in that world and I will share a bit about it, what I have gotten from it and what I really don't like about it. Um, But I want to speak about attraction and what I really uh, fundamentally believe makes a man attractive and it's a lot simpler uh, than a lot of people portray. And as this is the way I wish I had it explained to me many years ago, I think it would have saved me a lot of trouble uh, a long time ago. Uh, for anyone watching live, if you have any questions, please fill uh, you know, comment in the comment section, I'll try to answer them in real time. There's many different directions we can go with this, but my goal with this is I really wanted to come up with something really simple, like some really simple set of principles that I was thinking about myself as a teenager, if I could like have heard this when I was younger, this would have been like my backbone, my formula for connecting with women, for attracting women. It would have saved me a lot of uh, a lot of wrong uh, steps. Because ultimately, when you really become attractive, you don't need to think about it that much. I think that's the goal for everyone, right? I think the pickup world has really sold the idea of being an approach machine or being this cold approach master who can like walk up to any girl and get her number or whatever. You know, whatever these these I uh, you know whatever these indicators of success seem to be in that world, and a lot of guys have bought into this of like, oh, if I'm good with women, I need to be able to do that. But I actually don't think most of us, anyone who's ever searched for dating advice or been curious about how to attract women or connect with women or pick up women even, uh, you got into it probably because you just wanted to spend time with women. You didn't want to have to be in a zone where you're thinking about it all the time. You just wanted to be like James Bond or be like uh, any of these... Uh, charismatic heroes that we see in movies where like they just always have that abundance where they just know that they're attractive where they have this ability to attract without having to game or think about it or too much. So that's what today's episode is on and um, I boiled it down to two principles that we're going to spend some time on each because there's a lot of nuance to them but I wanted to keep them as simple as possible. Uh, You know using the Feynman technique being able to uh, simplify it down into a level that a five-year-old can understand. Because that's what's going to you know, stick in our minds. Um, before we jump in, I think the only announcement I got is, so the reason why we're doing this episode is I put a, po- a poll out in the Masculine Underground group, uh, and this, this episode was voted on uh, you know, as number one, so we're, that's why we're doing it today. Um, the second one was how to release regret, so I'm going to do an episode on that next week. It's a topic I've been thinking about a lot. I think I've had some breakthroughs with it personally, and I want to share. it. And then after that I'm not really sure. Okay, so let's jump in. So uh, there was a time where I referred to myself as a dating coach and there was a time where like, meeting women was like my number one, uh, or being, being attractive to women I should say, was like what I had deemed as my hero's journey like, Mainly because I was so socially awkward and so lonely at the root of it was loneliness, right? A lot of uh, the dating world doesn't talk about that especially from the male side like that's the real reason why you want to learn these social skills or seduction skills or whatever um, And that was presented as the the best way to gain confidence. And actually I want to say like honestly like when I was uh, in high school and I was really hitting like deep depression and deep feelings of worthlessness I actually ended up on a, a guy's mailing list named uh, Evan Pagan, but his his uh, internet name was David D'Angelo. This was a little bit before the so-called seduction community became popular. A little bit before Neil Strauss's book came out, but his emails. I never bought any of his products, but I was you know I was fifteen or sixteen, but his emails. Gave me hope. Like I would read his emails, and they would basically he would tell stories about oh, if you can be cocky and funny, women will like you. If you can learn this, If like he would break down interactions, and like I was like oh, there's something you can learn. There's some if I can learn these these procedures, if I can learn like you know, because I had a very nerdy scientific mind, if I can break things down into a formula, then I could be attractive to women. I could have a girlfriend. I can get laid. I could not be lonely anymore. And that was you know this. the uh, the sequence of events, and it gave me hope. And it was actually one of my entry points into personal development, the other being uh, combat sports and lifting weights. And a little bit of Eckhart Tolle. All these things came into my world at the same time. And uh, back then, right when uh, you know, the seduction community was becoming popular online, and if you, if you read the game, uh, Neil Strauss mentions it. Uh, there's a, a forum that's been taken down now called Fast Seduction. It's like alt.seduction.fast or something like that. It was like it was the the ultimate forum where all the pickup gurus and all these other guys would like list their tips and tricks. And guys would be listing lay reports. And guys would be listing different principles and theories and arguing and stuff. And I read it all. And I never really posted. Uh, I would I would read a lot. I was actually what they would call a keyboard jockey. I was just reading and reading and reading. I mean, I was in high school. Um, and early in college, I only posted one post and it was kind of like a philosophical thing about how learning how to be attractive to women was like kind of in line with moving up Maslow's hierarchies and needs. And it's kind of in line of like, like kind of a spiritual path of like, if you could become so emotionally secure and be so like, uh, if you could learn how to be attractive to women, in my head that was synonymous with being enlightened. I was, you know, I was a teenager. I maybe it was rambly, but it got it got torn apart by the pickup community. Like the fact that I would like try to throw in spirituality, like people just like tore me apart. That's why I never really posted again. But that's always been my interest, and I still believe that even now. Like some of these pickup groups that I've ultimately made content for over the last couple of years. Um, it, anyway, I mean, you can search for them if you care about that stuff. Uh, even when I'm giving like dating advice or sex advice, what I really care about is getting to what we could call the spiritual journey because if you're a straight man, learning how to connect with women is probably the greatest catalyst for your own individual growth, right? It'll, it'll force you to learn things and there's a lot of detours along the way, such as pickup. Like, I got into pickup a little deeper because I was like, okay, this is giving me a lot. I'm learning to become more confident. I wanna go deeper. I ended up working for um, a guy named DJ Fuji, and you know, he was actually he was great. Uh, he taught me a lot of stuff. Even though I think pickup has had uh, maybe a net negative on me, uh, I still appreciate working for him. And i uh, you know, doing a lot of cold approach. And it was great to like work against my fears like that. but something that I, I've told the story a few times on the podcast, like as I got better and better at cold approach, even when I got so called results, uh, you know, like getting numbers, making out with women, bringing them home. I got into kind of a groove. I kind of built a persona where I could like um, basically play these, like I would just speak so fast. I would say all these things, I still speak fast, but I would say all these things without really having a real conversation with women and in a... In a Drinking environments, it became very easy to make out with women. Ultimately, I've told a longer version of the story in the past, but basically, it ended up not being that fulfilling. I still didn't like myself. I still felt lonely. Even even like when I would get laid, I would feel lonely. And I actually think this led to like my some of my emotional issues, with, which led to uh, sexual issues that I've talked about in other episodes. But then I found one taste. You know, the cult experience I had taught me about the other side of things. And the the number one thing I learned in terms of attraction in that world in that very matriarchal women-run world was really learning the female side of things and understanding that women were not the enemy or they're not even the opposing team like the problem with a lot of these a lot of the frameworks around dating is that it, it uh it presupposes that women are like somehow the enemy or the competitive team and you have to like break down her barriers and like when I spent a lot of time with women in a women's world, I realized women want to get laid. They they want men to seduce them. They want to be taken in this in this uh, in this female reality. It, even though it was a matriarchy and in many ways it did oppress masculinity, they also really were in support of men. Being men in the bedroom, for instance, because that's what women actually enjoy. So it took it took me learning that from the female side to really learn that a lot of my tricks and not not that not that I was like intentionally manipulating, but a lot of my presuppositions about connecting with women, about how I needed to somehow you know sneak past their barriers, it was just creating way too much work. And the ultimate thing, my point of the story, is that. Uh, being attractive is a lot easier than thinking about seducing all the time. Like, like if you can actually just be attractive, we're going to break down what this means, but if you can actually be attractive and there's certain fundamental principles that make a man attractive to women. Uh, actually, there's two. I boiled it down to two. We're going to dig into them. Being attractive is so much easier than learning to seduce. And so many of my friends uh, or acquaintances who went deeper into you know dating pickup land, some of them are really good at cold approach. Like they can get a number 100% of the time, they go on all these dates, they get all these one night stands, but they never hold down a relationship and they can never let their guard down. They can never stop gaming the woman because the minute they stop, she loses attraction because these guys haven't learned how to become attractive. They just learned how to trigger certain emotional responses in her that get her to think of him as attractive for a short period of time. It's basically like salesmanship versus having a good product. And um, one of the, my motivations for making this episode is so I was speaking with a buddy of mine who's in a similar life position as me. He's uh, with a great girl, they settling down. And, you know, guys talk about this all the time like, you know, about commitment, you know, being with one woman the rest of your life. It's uh, It brings up certain feelings in most men. And he asked me, uh, he was saying that he felt that he never really went on a tear. Like he never spent a period of time where he was like, he was going out and getting laid a lot or experiencing many different women. And he asked me like, do you feel like, have you ever felt, or do you feel like you can get any woman? Like, because that was like, in his eyes, fully completing that life mission. Right. And I had to think about it for a while. And I, the answer was actually not really, like not really, uh, but for the longest time, for the last seven or eight years, I've had a total abundance of women, which is different, right? I don't think I can get any woman. In fact, my cold approach skills are terrible. Someone was like, you know, point, pointed a woman to me. It's like go pick her up. Like I probably more more often than not would not come up with anything. But I have had this abundance, which means to me that there, as like you know, at least during the times that I've been single, I have never felt like there wasn't a woman that was gonna be in my life, right? Actually, I'll be more specific. I've had this assumption that I know I'm attractive and I know that if a woman gets to know me, especially a woman I'm attracted to, she will like me, right? Which to me is a lot more uh, useful or special or uh, fulfilling than having the skill to get a phone number uh, in a club, right? That's me personally, maybe some people disagree, but that's kind of what this episode is about. Because in the last many years, you know, I—I I mean, basically, my answer to my buddy was, I just know that anytime I'm single, if I'm in a city, a new city, or wherever, like I know I'm going to connect with someone because I just know that women like me, right? That is what—that was my original goal when I started learning all this stuff. I kind of forgot it. The way I think a lot of guys, when they go too deep into pickup stuff or any of these d- the dating advice stuff that's out there, they get too focused on it on like attracting women and less on becoming attractive. So. Here, the point of this episode is that attraction comes down more to being than doing. Or rather, when you are attractive, when you know you're attractive, then you don't need to game anymore, you don't need to think anymore. And that is true abundance. You can just be and have the trust, because as we spoke about in some past episodes on abundance when it comes to money or other things, like, what abundance really is psychologically is a full trust in the future. Do you trust that when a woman you like gets to know you, she'll like you back, or do you, do you trust that women that you like, like you essentially? And when, you've, when you really believe this and this becomes your reality, you don't have to think about this anymore, um, and which I think is a lot more useful than, you know. So uh, it comes down to two principles. I, I wanted to boil this down not into like a listicle of 27 steps. I wanted it to be as simple as possible. So I, I broke... This episode is in two sections. The first we're going to speak about fundamental attraction, which is what attracts all women to all men. Like these are kind of fundamental traits that apply to you, whoever you are. If if you're if a man if you're a man who's attracted to women, this is apl- applicable across the board. Relates to your archetypal masculinity or fundamental masculinity, if you will. These are things that are across the board. The second part of this episode is we're going to speak about individual individual attraction or individuated attraction, which is how to be yourself while being these things. And kind of a mini episode uh, in between these two parts is we're, we're gonna answer the question that I got from someone in the Mask Underground Group. When should you follow your feelings and when should you not? Because uh, a young guy, he, he posed this question to me in the context of, you know, all of us know what masculine is, in quotes, right? And he was like, yeah, I know that women like these traits, he was listing all these masculine traits, but like, I don't feel like it's me, it doesn't feel authentic, it's not really who I am, you know, uh, shouldn't I follow my feelings instead? But obviously following his feelings is not attracting women. So I had to think about this for a while actually, because these are two kind of uh, cliche adages that people say, like be a man, but also be yourself. Like what if those things don't line up? So we're gonna do like a kind of a mini episode in between uh, solving this dilemma. Because ultimately, this episode is about the long game. It's certainly not about uh, momentary attraction skills. However, if you're watching live and you have a, a specific question, I'm happy to answer it about anything in, in, the, in the continuum of seduction or attraction, if you will. But the goal of this episode is to give you the principles of entering abundance when it comes to attraction. So, the first half of this episode uh, on fundamental attraction We can boil it down to the simple statement, be masculine, which is embody the virtues of testosterone. This is what is across the board fundamental and I would say non-negotiable if you're attracted to women. Uh, Because this is what exists beneath cultural conditioning uh, on the woman's side, let's say, and also with the men's side. You know, because this is what allows the feminine in a woman, the feminine archetype in a woman, the oxytocin-driven parts of her her personality, her her traits. Uh, the masculine traits are what allows those traits in her to respond. So, in terms of archetypes, we all have different elements of our personality. Uh, men, women, whatever you are, you have testosterone-driven traits. You have oxytocin-driven traits. You have a a trait associated with every possible neurotransmitter that we have. I, I speak mostly about testosterone, oxytocin. Uh, a lot of women, out of necessity, have to be in their testosterone, dopamine-driven accomplishment mode. You know, cortisol levels are high because of work or whatever. Because actually, in the modern era, we're all individuals uh, in the consumerist uh, in the consumerist reality. So women have to be their own masculine in order to survive in the world. That's the nature of a consumerist society. Consumerist post-feminist. We can maybe save the politics for later, um, but. When it comes to her animal nature, when it comes to the part of her that is drawn to a, a human being with a penis who can impregnate her, that all runs on pre-conscious, pre-moral judgment, uh, pre-rational uh, mechanisms, right? She ha- we all have uh, certain baby-making instincts, and her baby-making instincts respond to masculinity in you. Basically, your masculine trait signals to her that it is safe to be pregnant with you, which is where all sexual attraction comes from, whether or not you're planning on having a baby. Uh, so this this is what, uh, you know, we spoke about this in the Dark Masculine episode a bit last week, but this is relevant to all women. I don't care what her ideologies are, what her culture is, um, you know, she has this mechanism in her to respond to certain traits in men and be attracted to certain traits, even if her mind thinks it's, you know, it's toxic, right? And you see this all the time in, um, this is something I've, I've mentioned, uh, I think in the Madonna horror episode, like especially back when i lived in new york and this is actually from my own insecurity i'm not saying this you know this is i'm trying to admit uh, perhaps as a character flaw or my own insecurity but for a while i was really I, I really made a point to seduce angry feminists especially like feminists who were like kind of mean to men uh who were like uh we just like not compassionate to the male side and turned everything into a political battle. Like I got so much satisfaction. I'm not saying this, you know. I'm just I'm saying I'm admitting an insecurity here, but per- perhaps because of my own wounds, something was satisfying. Assuming the woman was attractive, was like in seducing such a woman and like forcing her in a sense into her feminine. Like I got a lot of like that was like my personal like maybe it was a childhood wound conquest uh, feeling. Um, but I also would feel a lot of delight when. A woman who was like, oh, women, you know, women don't mean men or blah, blah, blah. They would have whatever feminist thing they said that they believed, but in the bedroom or like if you if you portrayed yourself in a certain way, uh, she could relax and enter her feminine side and ultimately have a better time. Um, this, again, exists. This is the dark feminine, if you will, that wants to be taken, that wants to be consumed. I will say though, when it comes to cultural conditioning, uh, different cultures uh, allow this to be navigated a little differently. Let's say like, um, uh, speaking of ethnic cultures, like cultures like uh, Eastern European cultures, uh, certain South American cultures, like Dominicans and stuff, like they're high polarity cultures, like in their culture, they expect high polarity between masculinity and femininity. And if you've ever flirted with such a woman or been out with such a woman, like she kind of expects you to be super masculine, whether it's certain low polarity cultures, like feminist cultures, most hippie cultures, a lot of Urban cultures in the U.S., like city, city-based city cultures, tend to be low polarity. Um, so how you navigate this can change. You know, in, in all the situations where you know, I would connect with a, uh, an angry feminist and make her not so angry, you had to na- navigate and show a certain compassion to show that you're not actually an asshole. But it came from demonstrating certain masculine traits. Because even feminists, even women, even people who really believe, really honestly believe in the rational mind that there's no reason for masculinity, that it's obsolete or all masculinity is toxic, they still will respond physically to these traits because we're genetically wired for it, right? You can't, you know, one, uh, one century of feminism is not going to override thousands and thousands of years of genetic programming to respond to certain traits. A lot of them we spoke about hyperbolically in the dark masculine episode last week um but uh uh yeah i mean they they still exist and i can't read my own handwriting here oh so actually here's the thing in having compassion for people who maybe don't believe in polarity who like take take the angry feminists right like they're angry for their own wounds and actually it's really good to understand this is something i didn't really grasp until i was in one taste and spending a lot of time with women um, in like you know, an intimate you know, behind closed doors, like they would, I would basically be in the room hearing women speak in women language in the way they, do. they don't, don't normally speak when men are around, and I realized that the reason why so many me, so many women fear masculinity or try to shame masculinity or try to cut it down is because the truth is over the last many centuries women have lost faith in men, men's ability to hold down the masculine, which is actually a failure on the men's side. Not, we, can't, we can't blame women. We can maybe blame women for like trying to castrate this next generation of boys, or we can blame feminists, but like, what has caused feminists to be so angry or to have that agenda actually falls on men. And, we, and I think it's a, lot, uh, it's a lot more effective to understand this because um, once upon a time, Masculine men and feminine women really relied on each other, right? Like we were so interdependent. This is before consumerism, before before wealth, before econ, uh, economics. Uh, you know, uh, anyway, men have abused that power, uh, and then more recently, men have not been in their power. So, this is one of the things that uh, I think is one of the saddest types of couples you see nowadays. Um, and I mentioned this in the, some of the BDSM episodes, but. When I used to uh, help out with Omar workshops in New York, Omar he has been on the podcast a bunch. He's uh, a BDSM teacher. I've learned a lot from him. I used to help out at his workshops and uh, kind of be his like uh, workshop manager, and uh, you know, hosted many workshops with him. And there'd be a certain kind of trope that we'd see at these BDSM sex workshops. Essentially, it'd be like this: usually, Generation X, a little bit older than me, like you know, they're maybe in their late thirties, early forties, couple. They'd been married for seven to 10 years, and they were very liberal, very feminist, and they just hadn't had sex in a long time. And we'd break up into groups sometimes, and I would speak with the men, uh, just the men, and I would hear they're, they're kind of the same kind of sob story where these guys were like, man, we got together you know, a long time ago, she was a feminist, I was all for that, I've done everything in line with what she said she wanted. I respected her, I gave her power, I did all these things, and, but we haven't had sex in five years, and now she's blaming me that we haven't had sex, and it's because she, now she wants me to be a man and take the lead and take charge and dominate her. Like, what the hell? And these guys were like kind of quite resentful at this idea that they bought into the wrong ideology. They're basically the the the, the past version of the guys who wear pussy hats thinking they're going to get laid. And I feel for them. And I don't blame the women either, because how should they know? but the, this is just illustrates that no matter what your ideology is, like biology still responds to certain things and even though these guys did what they thought was the right thing by reducing polarity by letting their woman be in the masculine role there's no way she's going to get wet in that and i don't mean to be crass but that's the truth right um, so men have let down women in recent centuries and decades by misusing their power so i'm not using their masculine to actually signal to her that it's safe to be pregnant, which is essentially what these traits are for. This is essentially what this first section of this episode is on like the purpose of being masculine. Again, is to signal to her, Hey, you can be pregnant with my child. It's a good idea to be pregnant with my genes because they will be fit offspring and I'm going to protect them. I'm going to kill anything that tries to threaten our children. I'm going to provide for our family, blah, blah, blah. Right. Even if, you know, obviously, in a one night stand or a casual dating situation, or if you don't want children, we're not talking literally here, but this is what a woman's biology responds to. And um, anyway, yeah, so for many centuries, men have misused power by not using their testosterone driven abilities to actually protect and provide and signal to women, hey, it's safe to be with my baby. Uh, And more recently, a lot of guys have chosen to not have any power because you know, a third wave of feminism has raised a whole generation of boys this way. Uh, oh, it's better to not have power. So you have these men now who have no power, who are totally disconnected from their masculinity, who are super, uh, who are a cold fish uh, when it comes to, to women. And they just can't turn on women because they don't embody these traits. So what are these traits? I wanted to simplify this as well. I want to simplify this first part of be masculine to three virtues. Um, is essentially these three actions are universally, no matter what culture you're in, no matter what situation, if you are a man who dates women, this is what makes you as a man useful to women. These three things are probably gonna sound like cliches. They're probably things you've heard Jacko Willink or Joe Rogan or other people say, as at least two of the three, Um, but they're true. So they're simple and they're true. I don't wanna make things complicated. So the first thing, do hard things, take risks and seek adventure. And I, I've, I've mentioned this quote a few times, but I think it's so pertinent and it comes from a woman as well. It's by Camille Paglia. Uh, she says, I don't I remember word for word, but essentially, men, women have menstruation to tell them that they're women, right? Men need to do something to prove to themselves that they're men. That's why for, you know, that's why our ancestors had rites of passage. But even today, Uh, You know, there's the the Bateman's principle, uh, sperm is cheap, eggs are expensive. Society doesn't need all men. Society needs men who are badass enough to do the hard things in life because women's wombs are useful no matter what. Men are only useful if they can really compete and do things that are hard. So if you're not doing hard things, if you're not challenging yourself, if you're not taking risks, if you're not seeking adventures. You're kind of useless to women because what I mean, those are that is part of the this testosterone's role to a superorganism, testosterone's role to a community. If you're not going to express that, if you're not going to take risks, if you're afraid of things, if, you're, if you don't challenge yourself, if you fold under pressure, if you don't seek adventure, if you're not curious, if you're happy to sit on your couch or you know, let the world come to you instead of go out and meet the world, you're kind of useless. Like, what is the purpose? Women can make babies, but what, what what can you possibly do for a woman? Like she actually doesn't need you if you're not going to do those things. And this is one of the reasons why we have video game addiction because that is – the, the, the you, never, you very rarely see women addicted to adventure video games. You very often see guys addicted to RPGs or adventure games and stuff. Why? Because we have this mechanism. We are wired to want to go out and risk our lives for the purpose of making a name for ourselves, right? Because if you're a male, if you're a male primate, and this is true for almost all primates, actually almost all mammals, and you're not taking risks, and you're not winning competitions, then your sperm doesn't actually, is not needed for the next generation. Like, life really only wants that high value, risk-taking, strong man sperm. So anyway, video game addiction is kind of like a a derailment of this very useful instinct that most men have to go out and take risks and seek adventure and see new things. RPG games are so fun because you get to be a character that can go explore the world. But guess what? You're already in an RPG game. It's called life, right? You don't need to – maybe you can't jump super high, maybe you need to sleep. It's kind of inconvenient and maybe, you know, you, you can't go around doing a lot of the things you can do in video games. But life is also a game, right? And here's here's the place that you're actually supposed to express those instincts. Not that I'm anti-video game, but like here's the real game out here. Uh, and even something as simple as working out, like I know, I mean, this is kind of a thing that gets uh, thrown in the toxic masculinity grouping. And even before that term became popular, a lot of people would make fun of meatheads or people spend too much time in the gym. I think it was uh, Planet Fitness. Uh, it's a chain in the United States. I think it still exists. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't exist. But their whole ad campaign was making fun of meatheads of like like oh, I pick things up and I put things down. Like I was like this Arnold Schwarzenegger type of person. And you know, we can make fun of those people, but those guys, maybe some of them are on steroids, whatever, those guys actually do hard work. Yes, maybe some of them are vain. Maybe some of them are beach bullies or whatever, you know, or whatever, you know, maybe some of them are, are obsessive with their muscles and it's kind of annoying or they're insecure in a way that they always had to show off. Yes, of course, that always exists. There's always insecure people. But just the fact that you really pay a lot of attention, just you know, working out and having muscles, even though muscles are not that useful in today's day and age, which is why they're not always champion. You don't need to, you know. Most of us don't need to kill our food for our children or for our woman. It still signals that you're willing to do hard things, you're willing to go to the gym and put yourself through discomfort, and you're willing to you know push through, and you actually care about your health and appearance. Like These are still things that are useful. That's, I'm putting that all in that first principle. Do hard things, take risks, seek adventure, because that's what makes you functionally useful. Related to that, the second adage we'll say, will be take responsibility for your reality and don't wait for perfect conditions. This is something that I hear in a lot of guys who decide, okay, I'm gonna start this thing, I'm gonna go off on this venture, I'm gonna start this channel, I'm gonna put up this whatever, I'm gonna start this business, I'm gonna name your, I'm gonna travel the world. Uh, But they always have an excuse, right? There's this thing that doesn't work, there's that thing that doesn't doesn't work. And, And ultimately, this is all resentment, right? And we spoke about this in the magician archetype episode even if you don't believe in magic, I mean, you can put magic in quotes, your ability to create the world, your ability to create the world cannot go hand in hand with resentment, right? When you feel resentful, you're essentially saying, there's something or someone outside of myself that has power over my circumstances, so I'm gonna resent them instead of doing anything about it because I can't, right? That's what resentment is. Whenever you're blaming someone for anything, when you're blaming circumstances, and you know, I, I catch myself with this all the time, like. When I'm, my thing is I get super pissed off and contracted or I'm working on it, but with, with when the internet is slow or I click on something and the link doesn't work or like I go back and the autofill deletes my thing. Like, you know, these you know these very first world problems, I'll admit, I get pretty ungrounded. I, or I in the, recently I've gotten quite ungrounded and I try to catch myself. Like one, it's ridiculous. Like life is so convenient right now. What am I complaining about? But two, like, Whatever it is, why am I letting this electronic thing that's outside of myself so greatly affect my reality? And this is a huge thing, right? I mean, I know this maybe is not the first thing you think of when it comes to being attractive to women, but any guy who contracts around things or complains a lot or is constantly waiting for the perfect set of circumstances they dry up a woman real fast, right? That's just the truth. You can ask any woman, right? Because if a guy is not willing to take responsibility of his reality, she can't trust him to take responsibility of her reality, particularly when she's in the most vulnerable state, which is pregnancy, right? All of this comes down to our genetic wiring when it comes to reproduction. She's not, I mean, her instincts are not going to want to sleep with a guy who she can't trust to hold shit down. If she has this baby, right? When a woman is, no matter how strong she is or how powerful she is, and our Stone Age ancestor women, you know, they were way stronger than most men these days, but still, when a woman's carrying a baby, she can't do a lot, right? So if she's gonna have your child, she needs to trust that you're strong enough to take care of shit because she can't be in the masculine when she's pregnant. She can't, you know, she can't make decisions for your family when she's in pregnancy brain. Like, this is why this is so important. And it, it's something, actually, I was speaking with my boy, Noel Free. I was uh, kind of helping him through uh, through like this texting situation where, he, you know, anyway, I was trying to help him out of needy communication and into secure, dominant communication. And I told him what I thought was a cliche, but he had never heard it before. Uh, don't complain, don't explain. Uh, I heard this. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a thing. A lot of us maybe have heard this term. Don't complain, don't explain. This is the second part of being masculine. Anytime you're complaining, you're you're not taking responsibility for your reality. And anytime you're explaining, you're trying to be apologetic or like, you know, like no, if you are actually in your master morality, if you're actually in if you actually feel like you're king of your reality, you don't need to explain yourself and you never need to complain because everything is within your control. Uh, Essentially, don't complain is deal with shit as it comes, and don't explain is own your desire. You don't need to explain to someone, oh I meant this, or I'm sorry, here's this thing. You know, social niceties are nice sometimes, but it's important to own your desire. Don't 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 fake things, right? Because women need to a woman's only gonna want to be vulnerable, physically vulnerable, pregnant with someone who can hold that shit down enough that he doesn't need validation for his reality and he can make decisions and he doesn't uh, get his panties in a bunch when something is inconvenient because this all comes down to Paleolithic times where like there are predators out there and sometimes it's friggin' cold and sometimes it's raining the man has to deal with that stuff or men in the tribe have to deal with that stuff. The third part of these, these three virtues on being masculine is expressing clear ideas. I've done another episode on decisiveness. Like the reason why decisiveness is a masculine virtue is that the head of a superorganism has to make decisions for the tribe, right? The whole, the whole, uh, you know, joke about uh, deciding where to eat for dinner. Like, oh, what do you want? Oh, I don't know. What do you want? Oh, I don't know. What do you want? Like a lot of comedians have made jokes about that, um, like Seinfeld-ish jokes. The reason why this is a thing is that even if it, Women expect men to make decisions because again, in pregnancy brain, she's not gonna be able to make those. So it's a huge turnoff to a woman if a guy won't make a decision, right? It's not that you're; it has to be your way or the highway, but a woman wants to know that you can be decisive. And that's only one aspect of expressing clear ideas. Once upon a time, oratory, being able to speak, was the basis of personal development. This was long before Tony Robbins or like, Actually, we can quickly go through like the progression, like in the turn of the century, 1890s into early 1900s, that's when the idea of psychology became a thing, right? It kind of moved away from philosophy, which was abstract and tried to move into the realm of medicine and treating mental disorders. And, you know, even in Freud's time and Jung's time, psychology was kind of seen as a quack science by a lot of MDs. But that did kind of birth the personal development world. And in the 30s, 40s, 50s, when you had guys like Dale Carnegie, uh, well, I mean, in the early 1900s, you had like um, The Science of Getting Rich and Think and Grow Rich and those kinds of positive thinking books. In the 30s and 40s, Dale Carnegie pop- I mean, all of his personal development uh, seminars and like nowadays, Dale Carnegie Institute is like one of the biggest personal development leaders. Uh, they mainly based their teaching in learning how to speak publicly. One of the reasons was that a lot of people get nervous i mean still the number one fear um but there's so much someone can learn to be able to express his ideas to groups a guy on a stage is always attractive to women right i mean at least the the fact that a man can speak clearly on a stage is always attractive to women why goes back to this whole thing of like if you are a man who can be listened to by other men then you are super valuable like the chief of the tribe his children always do well, right? So that's why all the women want to sleep with the chief. That's why in many indigenous cultures, many cultures across the the globe, uh, the chief could have many wives. In a lot of indigenous cultures, they weren't necessarily polygamous in that all men have many wives because you needed a lot of wealth to support many wives, but the chief very often had many wives. Why? Because he is so valuable to women uh, because he can lead all the men, he can lead all the people. That doesn't mean you need to become a public speaking expert. It doesn't mean that you need to take up, uh, you need to join the debate team or anything. But being able to express your ideas clearly is something that is culturally. No matter, you know, know, drop yourself in a group of women anywhere in the world that is always going to be attractive because of that reason. Um, And essentially being able to lead people and speak to people is attractive uh, because you are Functionally, you're allowing an entire tribe to, re- to rely on you to make decisions. We spoke about this more in the King Archetype episode, but leadership is attractive. And these three principles that I mentioned relate a bit, uh, you know, they cover at least uh, Jack Donovan's four tactical virtues. We had Jack on the podcast uh, back in December. So I just wanna credit him because he, he, uh, he categorized this in a slightly different way in terms of virtues, strength, courage, competence, and honor. These three principles that I mentioned cover these four things, right? Doing hard things requires strength and courage and sometimes competence. Taking responsibility requires those three things. And this fourth piece, honor, uh, comes down to, again, abundance because only men who have scarcity mentality feel like it's okay to be dishonorable. Because like to be honorable, to really uphold, stick to your word and uh, have integrity and do things even when you don't have to do them, um, they, they come from the assumption that you can trust the future again. This kind of going to our, our macro definition of what abundance is. Only guys who don't trust the future feel like they need to deceive or, or you know, guys who are scarcity minded thinking they're going to starve in the future or not have money in the future are the ones who like cut corners in business deals or guys who don't trust their, don't actually believe that they're attractive. And you see this a lot in the pickup pick world where like they feel like they need to deceive or they need to like, I mean, no one thinks of it as deceiving, but these guys who feel like they need to constantly be gaming, constantly be like per- portraying a certain version of themselves as opposed to becoming a certain way. It comes from scarcity. They think that if a woman actually gets to know them, she won't like him, so they have to put on a mask. And it very often it becomes true. A lot of, uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, a lot of pickup guys, they have to constantly be gaming, gaming, gaming because if they let their guard down for a second, the woman leaves. You even see this in the red pill community. Even in married red pill, where a lot of guys have this idea that they need to constantly be gaming their wife. It's like this constant nonstop war as opposed to knowing that you're attractive and knowing your wife isn't going to leave just because you're a high value man. That's so much easier. Uh, and And that's where you can actually be authentic and vulnerable and open, because if you really know that what you really got, like who you really are behind the layers is inherently attractive to women, there is no incentive to to hide things, there's no incentive to deceive, there's no incentive to even have to think about gaming her, right? Not to say that's a terrible thing, like sometimes you do need to navigate a social situation or like, that, that happens too, but like, ultimately, as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, the reason why I've, I haven't i have really had to think about this part of my life in so long is that when I really learned to trust in my, trust in the belief that if, if a woman gets to know me, she will like me because I'm inherently attractive, has taken off so much pressure where I don't have to think about, oh, what do I say to this person anymore, you know, at least when I was single. Like it just takes that all away and I can just be myself. That's when you can be yourself. But we're not done. There's a whole other part to this episode. Which comes to our mini episode uh thing which is so i mentioned these things these perhaps archetypal masculine things or maybe stereotypical masculine uh and someone uh someone i was coaching a young guy i get that being masculine is important this guy was saying but what if they're not natural to me like what if all these traits of like doing the hard thing is not natural to me and he was saying like i know i need to be um I know I need to be a certain way. I need to be grounded. I need to be solid. Uh, but it's so, it feels so artificial that I go up in my head of like, oh, I need to act a certain way around a woman. And it feels not natural. Like, I'm, what if I'm not naturally masculine? And then he brought up this thing that I've heard from a few guys recently, which is, what if what if I don't feel like it, right? Like, you always say, speaking of me and a lot of people, like, you gotta trust your feelings, right? It's all about instincts. E- even in things like, Connecting with women or seduction like the best way in my opinion is to be authentic with your instinct uh, be authentic with your desire And then you can trust your instincts try to connect and then once you connect you can just be real, right? But what if who you really are? Violates these things that we just spoke about what if who you well who, who you naturally are or what your tendencies are are not particularly masculine? What do you do? And I thought it was a really good question. So I had to think about it for a while and then the thing that I ultimately said to him is if you want to be attractive to women, I mean, if you're a man who's attracted to women and wants those women to be attracted back, then you have to demonstrate these traits for the same reason we've been saying, right? At the most basic, pre-cultural, pre-rational level, if she's going to be attracted to you sexually, her subconscious has to trust that it is a good idea to be pregnant with your child. That's ultimately what it comes down to, right? And. The things that I mentioned are I'm, I put it in this first section of fundamental attraction because if you don't embody these traits, it's very unlikely you'll be attracted to a woman. Or maybe maybe she'll cut you some slack. Or if you live in a, a very low polarity society or you know very low polarity culture or subculture, maybe you know her mind will think, oh, it's nice that he's kind of in touch with his feminine side and that's really great. And that is really great. I don't think it's bad. You can be you can be very masculine and in touch with your feminine side, but some some women might be more forgiving than others around these masculine traits but there is no woman no straight woman who's going to prefer a man who doesn't do hard things there is no straight woman who prefers a man who complains about things or is overly apologetic or needy there's no woman like there's no there's no woman who prefers a guy who is all fumbly with his words and like fumbly with his ideas right Just, you know, it's not about being a good speaker necessarily but it's about knowing what you know Knowing what you think, having clear opinions, clear decisions, sticking with something, that's really important. Those traits, there is no woman in the world who prefers the opposite, right? So this is why these are fundamental traits. So I said to him, you know, it's not that you have to be a certain way or, or not a certain way, but if you want to attract feminine women, if you wanna bring the feminine out in women, as most straight guys, you wanna—you don't wanna date masculine women, I assume if you're a straight guy, if you're, if you're a masculine guy, uh, then these are non-negotiable, and I want to say this. I have to say this because, like, I'm not a genetic alpha male, right? If you could you know what I look like, you know, I'm I'm not. This this. I was def- not predestined to be hypermasculine. I'm not trying. I certainly am. I'm saying this because I don't want to shame or allow anyone to feel ashamed because they don't have masculine tendencies. Maybe you don't have high testosterone levels, or maybe you were conditioned in a in a in you know, a society or culture that you know, muted your masculine traits and you just don't, they seem foreign to you, like that sucks, I, I can relate to that. I, I'm not trying to shame anyone in that situation. And nor am I trying to glorify some guy who happens to have four digit testosterone levels and like got a lucky draw on that, he had a great male role model growing up and he just has this naturally, right? Like the thing is though, and, and this is something I've mentioned in a couple episodes, these last couple episodes, one amazing thing about being a man in the 21st century, even though there's this attack on masculinity, is that this is one of the easiest times in human history, and maybe in the history of sexual relating, where a man or someone can move up in the dominance hierarchy, right? Like, if you have the attention span to watch this video, I don't care if you're the lowest of the low beta male, you have the ability to. Take on these traits because even if you, say, have low testosterone or were conditioned in some very effeminate way, you can you have control over these three behaviors that we mentioned. You can choose to do hard things. When you feel like quitting, you can keep doing it. Uh, you might be super um, risk averse, but you can rationally use your rational mind and be like, hey, you know what? My life will be a lot better if I take more risks. My life will be a lot better if I get out of the comfort of my own home and go on an adventure, right? instead of playing video games, like go out and do something in the real world. Like you can choose to do that, in which case it'll, it'll automatically raise your stock on the fundamental level, right? There's a whole second half of this episode where we speak about the individual aspect of attraction. But these fundamentals are fundamental, right? They're non-negotiable. And there is, you know, again, there is no reason to ever not have these traits, which is why we're calling the fundamental masculinity. But it goes into a deeper thing, which is kind of our mini episode here, which is like, when should you do things when you don't feel like it? Because this is actually kind of of a philosophical question of like, so much of personal development and even the stuff that that I share most of the time is around connecting with your feelings and listening to your feelings, listening to your instincts, whether it's sexual escalation or what you should do with your life. Like it's important to listen to your feelings. But then again, there's also times where it's important to not listen to your feelings. Like when you feel like quitting something that's important. So like, I have to think about this because a couple of different guys, and actually a couple of guys that I'm coaching, have brought up this thing a few times with like, "What if I really don't feel like doing a thing? Like, should I do it?" And I had to think about it, right? Because you know, it, there had to be. I wanted to find like a The Feynman's version, like how can I boil this down to something simple, some simple principle. I had to think about this for all because a lot of my life has been going a little bit too hard. I spoke about this in um, in the ambition acceptance dilemma episode, like. I took on the idea at a younger age that it's important to take risks and do hard things and set goals. But as I mentioned, I've damaged my body and I've caused a lot of sports injuries and like adrenal fatigue. I'm off coffee, right? Actually, I'm just, it's been 10 days just about. Only now have I like kind of recovered from my coffee addiction. This is the first morning where I wasn't like dead when I woke up. Um, but anyway, I've gone too hard a couple of times. So I, I wanted to come up with like, what's a what's a way to like, Know when to follow your feelings or not, and here's what I came up with, and it relates exactly to this episode. Our two sections of fundamental attraction and uh, an individuated attraction or individual attraction. Uh, Sometimes you should always follow your feelings when it comes to how you're expressing yourself in the world, but sometimes you should not follow your feelings uh, when in any time that you've chosen a masculine role or any role, but let's let's say masculine because. That's what we're talking about. Anytime you've spoke, uh, chosen a given role and the causal responsibilities on you, sometimes you should not follow your feelings. And I'll say that in simpler words. Basically, if you're taking on the mask and role for something, for yourself, for uh, a relationship, in a family, on a team, if you're like, if you're the decision maker, if you're embodying the testosterone-driven virtues, or even some other examples, some simple examples, if you want to be intimate with feminine women, that's that's also a role, right? Uh, then you have to be strong, right? For this, the reasons we, we're talking about. Like you have to show her that it's safe to be pregnant. If you are responsible for a child because you're a parent, you have to feed them, right? That's not negotiable. It can't be like, ah, I don't feel like, uh I don't feel like feeding my kids. Like my heart says, you know, my, my inner truth is, I just wanna lay here on the couch and, and not feed them dinner. Like you can't do that, no, that's not okay. And same thing, like, you know, if you wanna be with a feminine woman, Yes, there are going to be times where you can be in your feminine. It's great in a long-term relationship. One of the great things is to be with a woman who can also support you when you're down. It happens. But that can't be the majority of the time, right? If you want to be with a feminine woman, then you' then it's on you to be masculine. like that's that's not negotiable. If you want to you know if you're if you find some creative inspiring calling to lead people or create stuff or you feel in your heart that you have this like creative work that has to come out or this business that has to come out and you're the leader, you're the boss, you're the CEO, you're the entrepreneur, then you have to do your work, right? Like that's not negotiable. that's I mean if you choose this, then this is when you no matter how you feel, you need to do these things, right? We can, call this, we can put this in the realm of fundamentals, right, fundamental masculinity. If you take on a certain role, then there's certain things that you have to do, even if you don't feel like it. Sometimes you cannot feel it. Uh, sometimes you won't feel like it, and you still have to do it. However, the time where you should always follow your feeling is how you do it, right? Like, it's important to create wealth for yourself. I mean, actually I shouldn't say that. If you choose that wealth is important to you, then you have to make money, right? It's up to you, right? But once you decide to do that, how you do that is where you should follow your feelings, right? That's not where you should. I, I, I went into this in the breaking social constructions episode. You should not chase a Lambo just because your friends are doing it. You should not go into a career just because your parents told you to or just because it seemed a certain way. That is where you should follow your heart. You should not, uh, you know, morph yourself in a certain way to to connect with a certain woman that's totally not your vibe. You know, that's where you should actually follow your heart. Like if you're totally not into. Punk people, if you're not into corporate people, or if you're not into, if you're trying to appeal to this certain group of people, that's not you, then you should follow your heart on that one because there's some other group of people, there's some other type of woman that actually fits you. That's where you should always follow your feelings. Which brings us to part two of this episode, which is individual attraction, right? So we covered fundamental attraction that applies to everyone. There's also individual attraction, and I would come, I would boil this down to like, if the first part was be masculine. Part two is get good at stuff and I, there's more to it than that but I wanted to this is a simple way of saying it be masculine and get really good at stuff and maybe a, maybe a deeper way to put it is um, fill out your groove in reality Carl Jung would call this individuation become really good at your thing and this is where you have to follow your this is where you have to follow your feelings the fundamental masculinity your fundamental attraction this is true for all men and all women but when it comes to uh your individual expression it's important to become really good at your your thing and um this is actually something that when I was in the pickup world I had this uh I had this roommate, and I think he kind of said this to cut me down. I think he was i don't know if he was threatened or whatever Guys can be mean to each other sometimes, but he, he was a he was an aspiring musician at the time, and he said something to me in a kind of like a backhanded way, like yeah, you can do this Neil Strauss thing. But or you could just blow up. And in to translate that, he was basically saying, Yeah, you can learn how to pick up women and learn these seduction skills, or you could become famous and get a lot of women that way. And even though he kind of said it as a jab at me because he was planning on becoming famous, whereas I was fumbling around with these social dynamics, he did have a point. Right? Like the guys who never think about this stuff are guys who become a a pinnacle person in their fields and that makes them attractive to women who care about that thing, which comes down to a really important principle that I think this is one of the, I, I really wanna get this across because I think a lot of guys have been brainwashed by pickup to think that somehow attraction is universal, all attraction is universal, some, some parts of it is, and that's what we mentioned in this first part of the episode. But for the second part is, when it comes to dominance hierarchies, these hierarchies are subjective. Uh, there is no, there's no such thing as a universal alpha I posted this in the masculine Underground group uh, in response to a question, but like a guy who's an alpha in the gym or an alpha in the sports field might not necessarily be an alpha in Silicon Valley or in a corporate room or an artistic community or in like a, in a spiritual subculture, right? Like these, these things, they could, some of these traits carry over. Like if this guy's really grounded because he was successful in high school sports, he might carry that confidence into whatever else he does or in every, every community he's in. But there's no such thing as a universal alpha. Every every group of people, everyone who is in their own reality, has their own perceptions of what of what the top of the pyramid is, right? Like um, I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. I would be like, wow, if I met him, I'd be like, oh wow, this is really cool. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Like I, I look up to him. But there's plenty of people in the world who don't know anything about him, who only know him from Fear Factor, and they wouldn't be that impressed. Like before I before I listened to his show. I would be like, oh yeah, that's the fear factor guy who also commentates UFC, he's cool, right? You know, like I wouldn't have thought that much, but like I've entered a certain psychographic where he's at the top of the pyramid because I, I, I listen to his show a lot, for instance. And this is true for a lot of things, right? Like there are, there are athletes that you probably care about that some people don't care about. Or even the, the rock star thing, a lot of people uh, think about like a lot of these dating commercials say like become like a rock star because we think of like women throwing themselves at rock stars and all that stuff. That's true but take take a typical rock star and put him in a country where they don't have his music is anyone going to care that he's a rock star no i mean like i've met i've met certain celebrities where i didn't recognize them i've met them at parties and stuff and just thought oh okay that's a random person and then later on someone says oh that's such and such she's the director of whatever and I'm like oh okay, uh, okay. i okay i didn't i didn't know and i didn't i didn't have that perception right like you have to the, my point is that uh, the way to really become attractive and have that kind of uh, rock star attraction, let's say, is to fully express yourself in a way that you can become attractive to the people that would be attracted to those traits, right? Like, um, I'll just give, I'll give an example of where I did it wrong, and then where what has led me to the abundance I've had in recent years. For a long time, I bought into this idea that there was such thing as a universal alpha, and I would look at guys who seemed to have traits that I thought all men needed to have, right? Like, I didn't think about these things that I mentioned, like doing hard things and being strong. I look at guys who, like, were really loud in college. Like, oh, they seem so popular. Like, I guess if I want to be attractive to women, I need to learn how to be loud or, or things things like that. And uh, I would try to emulate these guys because, you know, maybe some of them were attractive to women, but that didn't work for me. And I remember I spent all, I wasted a lot of time, like, trying to – get in with like so-called cool people that I didn't even really drive with, but like I decided that they were cool and I had to like I had to become like them. I mean, you know I was young people make these mistakes. and I realized like they might have been cool for their subculture. They might have been cool for the women that they ended up being with and connecting with, but they weren't even the types of women that I cared about. They weren't like I was trying to like fit into a group that just didn't fit me and it wasn't even gonna fulfill me if I did somehow rise to the top of it. As opposed to in more recent years, in like the last uh, you know, seven or eight years, I've expressed myself a lot online. I've kind of like dug my heels in on perhaps controversial topics. And I've, you know, I've gone deep on the things that personally interest me, which is the stuff I talk about in this podcast. And I'll say this, I'm not saying this to brag or whatever, but like I've, so many women have reached out to me because I express my ideas online. And it's not saying that, oh, start a podcast. I'm not saying this as a technique. Start a podcast, you'll get laid a lot. Like I'm not saying this. I'm saying that whatever your thing is, if you go deep on your thing, you will become recognizable to the people that are attracted to those traits, right? Like not every person cares about this type of conversation. Some, if you're listening, perhaps you are, but I bet a lot of your friends is kind of, people keep telling me that I have a niche podcast, I don't know, Uh, but you think it's interesting, right? Same thing, like there's, there are women who are into this kind of thinking, there's women that are not into that kind of thinking. There are women who are really into guys who talk about red pill stuff, and there are women who hate that stuff, right? There's no reason to go after the, woman, the women that don't fit you. This idea that, um, that all people are on this continuum, this, like, this uh, universal continuum of attractiveness, or universal continuum of dominance, and we all have to like rise on the top of it, is kind of silly. Um, and this is kind of... Uh, Basically, if you want to really find the women that are most attractive to you and are most attracted to you, you need to fly your flag. And the an example I use, uh, I actually I mentioned this in the social construction re, um, episode, but in American History X, there's a scene that I think is iconic where uh, Edward Norton's character goes into goes into prison. He's got to find the other Nazis in the prison, and the, the only thing he can do is take off his shirt and show his show his gang tattoo. And, and he'll become recognizable. Taking off his shirt and showing his gang tattoo also made him a target, because like, was now showing that he was, he's basically making himself a polarized figure. Some people are going to want to kill him, but it was the only way they could find the people that want to protect him as well. I think it's a great m- metaphor for in life. Like If you don't express yourself, if you try to fit in with everybody, you're never going to find the people that really love you, right? No one loves g- bland and gray. Not everyone loves orange, but if you show the orange, the people that love orange will get to recognize that you're orange, right? Basically, if you appeal to everyone, you're, you're really becoming loved by no one. And I uh, thought about this with, uh, I heard of this a few months ago, it's a kind of controversial clip by Muhammad Ali, uh, I guess I assume in the 60s, or maybe 70s, where he was on a, on a talk show with a white guy, a white, uh, white talk show host. And Muhammad Ali was speaking about how uh, he believes that people should date their own race. This is a pretty controversial thing for a black man to say during civil rights, the civil rights movement. He's speaking to a very liberal uh, white presenter. He was like, what are you talking about, uh, Mr. Ali? Like people, blacks and whites, should totally be able to date. And, and uh, Muhammad Ali was like, no, no, no. Like blue, in nature, bluebirds always go with bluebirds and redbirds always go with redbirds. And he went on this thing, which kind of made sense. And he was saying like, He wasn't speaking about race. He was speaking about culture. Whereas, like, he said something like, "No woman's gonna understand me like a Black American woman. Not even an African woman is gonna understand me. Like, not a Chinese woman, a white woman. They're not gonna understand my jokes, my music, my feelings. I need to be with a woman who who's from my culture." And this may be seen as, you know. This is not a liberal statement. It is not it? Maybe seen as a controversial statement these days. And I even thought I was like, "Wow, I can't believe he said that." But I thought about it, and I was like, "Man, it is so." Not everyone's into everybody, right? Like, there's certain there's certain types of women. There's certain personality traits that you you find attractive that maybe I don't, or or you know, vice versa. Uh, there are certain women that are super into your idiosyncrasies, and I'm not talking about your weaknesses or like your shortcomings, but like you might have some weird quirks, you might have an unusual sense of humor, and some people are not going to be into that. But by expressing that unusual sense of humor, the women and the people that are really into that, that will laugh at your jokes, that's the only way they can find you. Because the overall principle of the second part, if the first part is be masculine, the second part is fully express yourself. And this is where you have to follow your feelings. Whereas the first part, no matter what, if you want to attract women, you have to follow. You have to you have to be masculine. You have to follow these masculine traits to individually find the specific women that will love you and adore you for being you. Right? Like we don't have to game them. We don't have to act a certain way to impress them. Are women who fit your maybe not culture in terms of ethnic culture or you know or whatever, but. You know, because the lines aren't really drawn that way in the modern era. Like we have the internet, we're all exposed to all different ethnic cultures, or or different parts of the world, or political ideologies, or entertainment. But we do divide in in psychographics. Not really, not really. Uh, we're not really divided by demographics or geographics. Basically, your interest, your interest, your way of being, your way of seeing the world. Right. Like I know guys who've uh, dated hot Russian women, or ma- I know I know I've known a couple of guys who've married. Russian women, because they're just like, oh, they're, they're so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. But they could, they all ended up in divorce because they could not, they're just from such different cultures. Not to say that an American guy can't date a Russian woman and have a great relationship, but if, if the two people are from totally different assumptions about reality and are drawn to different things, even if you picked her up, even if you gamed her or seduced her, or like, you know, put on a mask to, a, to a, be that high polarity, a guy that the Russian woman is going to be attracted to, or whatever, or whatever you know, you had to do that wasn't you. If you ended up attracting her by not being yourself, you're gonna to have to keep that up for the rest of your life if you're gonna stay with her, right? Like that—that's not sustainable. Which is why pickup usually only really works for one night stands and stuff. Because if you're not, if you actually haven't connected with a woman who drives with you, it's gonna be a lot of work. And you know, and I'll say, you know. My thing happens to be like these ideas and, you know, expressing myself online, like and I'm not trying to say this to brag, but like, you know, a lot of I've met a lot of women through the, through through my work, essentially, because I've become so myself in this part of my life, you know, I'm not perfect, but this part of my life. I've become very myself and the women who are into me who are into the stuff that is natural to me find me and they can connect with me and it, and it draws them in is basically you allow yourself to become a magnet for your exact opposite pole because on the instinctual fundamental level, we are X's and O's, we are, you know, uh, testosterone traits and oxytocin traits find each other on the primal level, but, on, but there are other levels to attraction, other levels to uh, intimacy that, that are individual to you and this is where you have to fully express yourself um, this is where, how you magnetize uh, the exact people that fit you. And this goes for, this goes for friends, but also goes for, for lovers or, or intimate companions, if you will. And it, yeah, you have to be truthful and authentic because anytime you uh, portray something else, you're setting yourself up for a future that you don't want to be in. And one of the common things, and I'm guilty of this as well, is if you really just want a bone, don't portray boyfriend, right? A lot of guys get in trouble with this. I've gotten into trouble with this a few times where, like, just because of my conditioning, I felt like, oh, I need to show her that I'm a nice guy or, like, you know, I can, you know, I'm just a good guy to date. But I didn't want to date in the first place. I just wanted to get laid. Most women will tell you they would rather you advertise, hey, I just want to get laid because then the women who just want to get laid can connect with you. A lot of guys don't realize there's a lot of women who just want to get laid for maybe a certain period of your life or whatever. And they don't want to, you know, if, if you, project boyfriend too much, which is not even what you want in the first place, you're probably going to turn off a lot of people. Uh, You're going to turn off the exact type of woman that you want to connect with in that stage. And, uh, And this comes down, this is where we're going back into like the spiritual hero's journey. The reason why I care about all this is that the pursuit of women or learning how to become attractive to women, if you're a straight guy, is a great catalyst for really becoming yourself if you take on this second principle correctly, right? If you're not trying to you know, meet the needs of the market or try to fit in with a certain type of woman, but learning how to really fill in your groove, really individuate and we can boil like, the simplest way to put this is get really good at the things that you're interested in. Like go deep on your interests. If you if there's a skill that you find fascinating, go deep on that. If there's a a way of making money that you think is more interesting than whatever job you're in, go deep on that. Make a career out of that because not only will it probably earn you more in the long run and be more fulfilling, it will be impressive to the specific types of women you want to impress. Guys who become stockbrokers, even though they hate that stuff, just to impress impress gold diggers, and there's a lot of men like this, they end up being miserable because they spent their lives... I mean, it's it's kind of uh, Joseph Campbell's quote of a lot of people spend their lives climbing a ladder to realize at the end that it was on the wrong wall, right? Don't spend your life trying to be attractive to a woman, a type of woman that's not even your type, right? The best thing you can do is to live in high fidelity, live in high levels of truth, express your mind as much as you can. I, I was just on my buddy uh, Leon Turetsky's podcast and I, I, I said this line a few more, too, few too many times, but I'll say this again. like, Unless you're living in a communist state, you should express yourself. A hundred percent, hundred and ten percent, because it'll only yield good things for the most part. I mean, even if you're into some weird stuff, if you express yourself, you can maybe find and attract the women that are into your weird thing as well, uh, whatever that is. And this, uh, and then going back to this whole idea of uh, dominance hierarchies are subjective. It's kind of a marketing principle known as the blue ocean strategy. Uh, I think it's a it's the book. There's a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. And The idea is. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of markets, If you're speaking about marketing, uh, a lot of markets are red oceans, right? There's a lot of sharks, sharks being businesses, and they've eaten a lot of the fish, which are, I guess, consumers, and there's a lot of blood in the water. And it's very hard to feed yourself in a red ocean. So what they say is, create a blue ocean, F- carve out your own niche, carve out a different interest group, a different psychographic, a different need that's not been fulfilled, whereas a blue ocean, there's no blood in the water yet, and that can be your thing. Then you could be the leader of that ocean. You could be the biggest shark in that ocean. Same thing goes for the sexual marketplace, right? Like If you could become 110% yourself, then you're automatically at the top of that, that pyramid. You're at the top of that hierarchy that you've created, right? And it's not about, I'm not saying hierarchy and like you got to be better than other people, but like we know that women are attracted to guys who are the top of things, right? Women want to be with the leader of a certain subculture. And in the modern era, and this is true, this has always been true, but it's more apparent now where we can talk to people from around the world with the internet. We can travel the world, but I mean, minus COVID. Um, these hierarchies are not based on race anymore. They're not based on part location in the world or not even based on culture. like They're based essentially on psychographics or, or interests, right? Be the most yourself and you will attract the women that are into that thing that you happen to be, right? Uh, and just to bring this back with the, the music thing, there are certain musicians that women throw themselves at that other women would think are lame. Because not everyone's into death metal and not everyone's into the country music. But the women that are into country music, they love the country musician, right? So if you're into country music, music, you should be that top thing, right? It doesn't have to be with artistic things. It could be with anything. Right? There's certain women who really appreciate a guy who's uh, worked in tech. There's women who really appreciate a guy who does martial arts. There's women who don't give a shit, right? Uh, find the people that will be drawn to you by being yourself. Really be yourself is essentially it. So to recap, our principles here, I mean, the main idea of this whole thing, if you remember nothing else, it's a lot easier and in a long-term fulfilling to be attractive rather than try to attract women, right? That stuff is uh, just a lot of work. It's a lot of work and you don't get to be yourself. Uh, And true abundance, true abundance, when it comes to anything, is trusting the future. And true abundance, when it comes to attracting the opposite sex, is just trusting that you are attracted, attractive to women, if women get to actually know who you are, they will be attracted to you, right? Sometimes, you know, I'm not saying there's not a a role for some level of understanding social dynamics to break down walls, especially if you if you meet women in club environments, which I think are like some of the worst, like I can't imagine a woman getting to know my strong points or the things that I like about myself in a club environment, but maybe maybe that's not true for you. Maybe there are situations, there are types of people that, that is really their zone. So essentially this comes down to two things, fundamental attraction and individual attraction. Be masculine, which is fundamental, and really individuate, really fill out your groove Find your thing and do that, because that's the most rewarding thing uh, that, that could be true um, in, the, in the sexual connection realm as well. Of course, i got a plug at the end. Uh, if you want a hands-on way to connect with your archetypal masculinity, your fundamental attraction, your fundamental masculinity, and you also want a guide to help you discover your individual self, you can check out the Masculine Archetype Challenge. It's at ruwando.com slash archetype. It's a 21-day challenge with daily missions and micro-lessons to train you, to recondition you to connect with masculine virtues. As I said in, in this episode, like I'm not a genetic alpha male. I was not, I, I was not uh, predisposed to be super masculine in any way. But one of the beauties of being a conscious man in the modern era is that you have the rationality you have the consciousness, you have the control of your reality to embody these traits that are universally attractive, that are universally uh, fulfilling, if you're a man, uh, and you can choose to do these things. You can learn, you can recondition yourself to take on these traits to embody your t- testosterone-driven virtues. I'm not gonna, comp- I'm not gonna co- claim that doing this challenge will raise your testosterone levels, but I'm not gonna say that it's not, because uh, we take advantage of something called the winner effect, which is a primitive phenomenon that does is known to raise testosterone levels and create androgen receptors in your body which is all conceptual among Bojumbo to say you'll actually feel more like a man. That's at rwando.com archetype. And next week we're going to do this on uh, we're going to do an episode on releasing regret. It's uh, a topic I've been kind of working through. It's actually something that me getting off of caffeine I'll, I'll tell the long version of the story in the episode but uh, something about allowing my body to get physically depressed this last week kind of like unlocked these past memories for myself and like forced me to confront regret from the past, which is a form of shame that uh, can be, I was noticing it was limiting my behavior in the present. And I think it limits a lot of guys' behavior. So next week we're gonna talk about releasing regret. A Bunch of people were watching the live stream today, but no questions. So unless anyone has a question right now, I'm gonna zoom off, zoom off, zoom out. Going once going twice. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you are watching this on your screen, I know some people like to to watch this on their smart TV or use their whatever, but I think it's a good idea to switch the podcast version, listen to it in your earbuds, go for a walk, do some pushups, do something with your body, do some gardening. Um, There's no reason to be on your screen uh, for this long. And this episode was kind of a long one. So I hope you weren't glued to your screen the entire time. But thanks for watching. All right. Goodbye.